He spent six seasons playing in the National Football League, starred in college for the Iowa State Cyclones, and is a broadcaster for the Atlanta Falcons Radio Network. You get to hear Auburn University football games on Saturday, and then Falcons football here within our airwaves on Sunday, and hearing the voice of Dave Archer, who's kind enough to be on the program with us here today in Auburn. Dave, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you, my friend? I'm good, JJ. Good to be with you and Ryan. Really appreciate the opportunity to come on with the fans and uh, looking forward, obviously, this weekend. Penn State's coming to town, uh, and then we go out and try to take on the Rams. So a good double dip here on your station. Look at you promoting Auburn football, which is excellent, (laughs) because I was going to say, Dave, you know, you look at Auburn and and your alma mater, Iowa State, they've never met on the gridiron before. Like, you try to make connections between the two programs, and we know Gene Chizik was the Tigers head coach when they won the title in 2010, and the stop right before was Iowa State. But there really isn't much crossover between the two schools. No, there really has not been, and, and really Iowa State has not really dipped into the SEC very much. I've uh, My junior year when I transferred from junior college to take uh, over at Iowa State as the quarterback, we opened the season in Neyland Stadium against Tennessee uh, in a game that uh, Tennessee featured a guy, a guy named Reggie White, uh, a guy named Bill Bates, and we had quite a battle, and Quad Reves kicked a field goal at the end of the game and beat us 23-21, I believe, that night. But what a great night it was for me to be able to play in one of those great SEC venues when there's no better place to play than Jordan-Harris. So uh, I know Penn State thinks they've got a great place in Happy Valley, and they do. Get ready, because Jordan-Harris is a different level. That's what we like to hear. All right, let's 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 talk one more thing, Auburn football-related, tying it into the Falcons, and then we'll sort of transition to what we saw on Sunday in the season to come there for the Birds. But uh, for Atlanta, Marlon Davidson, another year on the Falcons roster. Unfortunately, Dave, as you well know, it's been a career so far at the NFL level that has been defined by injuries. It's a man who had a, a pick six of Tom Brady. His first career sack comes against Brady, but outside of that, it's been a whole lot of injuries, which has been quite unfortunate uh, because of how talented he is and because of the investment the Falcons made there in the early rounds to draft Marlon Davidson and it looks like yet again he's found himself on IR right now yeah really been disappointing uh, to not get Marlon on the field when he has been on the field he's been disruptive as we anticipated with taking him with that second pick of the of the year that year in the draft and wanted to team him next to Grady Jarrett and see what kind of havoc they could wreak they just have uh, not been on the field very much at all together. Um, you mentioned a couple of plays that he's made when he's been on the field, but it's just been um, not very much. And unfortunately, uh, Marlon's uh, on the outside looking in again this season. We'd love to have him on the field, just has not been able to stay healthy. Dave, let's go back now and look at that week one game against New Orleans. And let's focus on the first three quarters at first because I thought what we saw was very interesting out of the Falcons' offense uh, and really both sides of the ball. But let's start offense with Marcus Mariota. What did you see in how he was operating with the offense and just how different the offense looked led by someone other than Matt Ryan? Yeah, it was it was very different. Certainly to, to step up into the broadcast booth and watch the Falcons take the field offensively for the first time uh, in 14 years that Matt Ryan has not been the guy. But uh, I thought Mariota conducted himself extremely well. I thought he created himself as a problem for the Saints right off the start, get the play where he keeps right around the edge for about 10 or 12 yards, just kind of set the tone as to what they were going to do in the ground game. And they really pounded a really good New Orleans defense, got after him in the run game. I think it subsequently carried over to providing him some time to throw the football. He was efficient in that regard as well. I really felt like Atlanta dictated the game, uh, both offensively and defensively up front, 
uh, throughout those three quarters you're talking about, and Mariota was a big part of that. And obviously, as you mentioned, that running game, 38 carries, 201 yards, and we saw a lot of Cordell Patterson. We saw a lot of Marcus Mariota running as well. And it seems for the Falcons' offense, this has obviously been an offense based more on the passing game in years past with Matt Ryan. And so to see it from the get-go this year already have a, a, a good success on the ground against a, a defensive front that's pretty well noted in the New Orleans Saints. It, it seems to bode well for this ground game moving forward this year. Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit more sustainable, if you will. I think that when you play finesse football, that can kind of wane from week to week, and that's kind of what we've been. Uh, you kind of ebb to a, a passing game and trying to put good receivers on the field for Matt Ryan, and subsequently some of that physicality that pays dividends usually for you late in games as you begin to wear teams down. Uh, now, that didn't happen in this game, but certainly uh, I think that it's it's one of those scenarios that can be sustainable. I think they can come off the ball, hit people in the mouth. I think that Mariota's ability to stretch you sideline to sideline becomes a problem. Cam Jordan, who's one of the best pass rushers you guys know in the National Football League, has been a problem for Atlanta for a long time. 22 games, 23 career sacks for Cam Jordan against the Falcons. I think I called his name twice in the game. It was unbelievable to see a guy that that productive and that dominant reduced to kind of standing and watching and trying to react to what he was seeing because of Mariota's ability to come out on those bootleg plays because they were coming off the ball and getting downhill in the run game. So I'm hoping, and I certainly feel like that's a little bit more sustainable than trying to pass protect every weekend like we've been doing the last several years. And then, of course, as you look back and now look at this wide receiving core, a lot is made of it because it does not have Calvin Ridley. It does not have the services of Julio Jones. But the rookie, Drake London, is very well thought of it, and he was the leading receiver for Atlanta uh, this past weekend. What do you think Atlanta can expect to see out of Drake London this year, and what kind of ceiling might he have in his NFL career? Yeah, I think that we touched a little bit on what Drake could do. You could, you saw the, the ability to run some of those positional routes, trying to work against the zone, his ability and his understanding of zone coverage to offset defenders and find himself open. Big target at six foot four, six five, seven foot man, you know, seven foot radius in, in, in catch radius. Uh, so he, he presents that to you. And then all of a sudden you see him on that deep end cut and he catches it and he's able to run. Uh, with some speed, and then how about him dropping the hammer on the corner at the end of the run, knock the helmet off the corner, so a big kid at 215, 220 pounds that can use some physicality uh, to the game as well. I think that we're going to see more and more of Drake present himself, and even even Kyle Pitts. We didn't see much of Kyle. He got two balls. I think he, he had, I think, seven thrown his direction. There wasn't much of a presence this game, but those two guys with their size – have to show up down in the red zone, much like Michael Thomas showed up in the fourth quarter for New Orleans. They made a point of getting him the ball, a matchup scenario, a big receiver, a little bit smaller corner, uh, and and they took advantage of it. And that's something we're going to need to take advantage of as the season moves forward. So let's talk about that fourth quarter and the Falcons' defense. I thought the first three quarters, the Falcons' defense confused and frustrated Jameis Winston. What, in your in your eyes, flipped in that fourth quarter? Well, a couple things happened. I think that finally Pete Carmichael, their offensive coordinator, who had been with Sean Payton for a long, long time, and I think Sean Payton's one of the best in-game adjusters and managers of games ever, Pete had to have stuff stuff rub off on him at some point. And I thought that in the fourth quarter, he got to some of those things. And they went to a little bit more max protect. Uh, They were able to get Winston protected. They were able to pick up some of the stunts and blitzes that that, uh, 
that Dean Pease was throwing at him. Uh, and then Mar- and then you got Winston in a in a rhythm and like a three point shooter, uh, you keep shooting, keep shooting, and you miss your first ten. You got to keep shooting. He finally got in a rhythm, and and he's a good passer when he's on rhythm throwing the football. Just didn't get in his face very much in that fourth quarter, and they got something going. I think the tempo changed as well. They went to some no huddle. Frankly, was surprised they didn't go to more no huddle earlier in the game. And I think that's something we're going to see with the Rams coming up this weekend. Uh, the Rams were kind of bogged down offensively. I think you'll see Sean McVay get uh, Stafford in some in some no huddle. Certainly, after looking at this tape and how it got Winston going, I think that was part of the problem for the Falcons as well. And the offense didn't do him any justice either. The offense get an opportunity, you punch it down inside the five yard line a couple times. Didn't do that to put this game away, so it kept it in doubt. And Winston was able to weave some of his magic late in the game. Dave Archer is here with us. He's on the Falcons Radio Network broadcasts alongside the play-by-play voice in West Durham. Falcons taking on the reigning Super Bowl champs, L.A. Rams, this upcoming Sunday uh, with kickoff set for 4 Eastern, 3 Central here in the Auburn area. So as we turn our attention to the game coming up on Sunday, what's going to stand out in this one, Dave? What what should uh, Falcons fans be prepared for in this matchup? Well, it'll be interesting to see if you can continue to stay physical up front. Can you can you push this defensive front around for the Rams? It's not the biggest front in the world. Certainly, Aaron Donald is a guy that's that's a problem. He's a game wrecker. But can you can you make him play the run game? He's solid defender. He's a guy that can play both the run and the pass. But make him play a physical football game. Does it slow him down a little bit from a pass rush standpoint? That'll be interesting to see. They got Bobby Wagner, the veteran at linebacker. He had seven tackles last weekend. Uh, I expect him and his and his veteran leadership to help out with the run game. He's a guy that's been a leading tackler throughout the National Football League throughout his career. Really, I think he finished third in the league last year uh, in in tackles, and now with the Rams after leaving Seattle. So uh, they've got some some veteran players that know how to play the game. They've got two good corners uh, in Hill and Ramsey, so they're solid defensively. But they did get pushed around some uh, in the run game. Um, and again, Josh Allen ran for about 60 yards in that game and a touchdown. So they're going to have to defend Mariota in the run game. They'll see that on tape. That'll be something they'll have to try to defend. Atlanta can't turn the football over. And that's what Allen did. They turned it over four times, yet they still won the game. Did Buffalo, can you get Stafford to turn it over? He did. I do think there's going to be a little bit of shift in tempo with L.A. with their passing game. I think they'll, what they'll do is they'll go to a little bit no a little more no huddle because of what they see on tape. But I think they're better in no huddle. Stafford's one of those guys that, that's better when he can kind of lock into a defense or a look. I think you'll see more of that from Sean McVay. Um, and, and they'll try to sprinkle in the run game, I guess, some. But it seems like it's more of a change-up for me, run game-wise, for the for the Rams. It's about Stafford. It's about Cup. And, and can another receiver step up? Allen Robinson didn't do hardly anything. Their free agent acquisition, uh, he didn't do much for them. So I expect him to be a little bit more involved in their offense as well. As we look at the season as a whole, it's a long, grueling NFL season. And obviously, this team's expectations were pretty low. But the team we saw in the first three quarters was a team that I think would achieve above any expectation people gave for them. How do you bottle up those three quarters, turn it into four quarters, and go week by week with that kind of football team? Man, that's what you, it's a great question. It's what Arthur Smith is trying to do in his office right now. How do I take those three quarters and make them a four quarter scenario? I think it's more about players taking stock in, in what they did the first three quarters 
and remember what cost them in the fourth quarter. And it were little little things. You guys hear it all the time about coaches talking about taking care of little things, ball security, um, the, the techniques. I mean, Marcus Mariotto has got to make a point in that third and short situation. He's got to know that New Orleans is going to get low. They're going to try to create leverage in the run game because they know you're going to try to get a first down there. He's got to ride the center. He cannot allow – he cannot drop a center snap right there. You can't have a penalty – on for a second and goal from the five-yard line after you just ripped off a five-yard run to shove it to the five, you can't give them five back and a penalty. Those little things like that uh, cost Atlanta. And there were nine of the 16 games were decided by six points or less this weekend. That's what the NFL is. And so if you don't make those little mistakes, you win the football game. If you do, the other team takes the, takes the prize and goes home with a win. Make sure you listen to Falcons football every Sunday here on 95.9 FM in the Auburn area to hear Dave Archer break down the game. I feel like I'm uh, smarter every time I listen to the broadcast. So, uh, Dave, I'm curious, though. What I mean, you've been doing this for several years now at this point. What has that transition kind of been like from player to now being a broadcaster? It's been fun. Uh, it's The thing that I tell everybody is it's what's the best part about it is that I can go to the ballpark and I don't get hit in the back anymore. <laughs> uh, that was uh, that became detrimental. Fair enough. When you dropped and got, and you got hit. So no, I can talk about the game, be around it. Nothing will ever substitute, you know, being in a game, scoring a touchdown, shooting a pass down a scene to for a touchdown, hearing the crowd react. But this is the next best thing. It's been a lot of fun to be around. It's been a, been an honor to be a part of this organization. Mr. Blank is as good an owner as there is in the National Football League. So it's been fun to be around him. A member of the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame, a six-year NFL career, and a graduate of Soda Springs High School in Soda Springs, Idaho. And I bring that up, Dave, because the only thing we really know about Idaho is that <laughs> Boise State is there, and our current head football coach came from Boise State. What can you tell us about Soda Springs, Idaho? Well, Soda Springs, I can tell you that we don't ship out the good potatoes. All the potatoes <laughs> you guys are eating are not. If you get a true Idaho potato, it's got its own plate, okay? And it probably has <laughs> half a stick of butter on it. We're, we're shipping out the smaller ones, the runts that don't get a chance to fit into those bags in Idaho. No, it's a fun place to grow up, very rural areas you can imagine. I think there's about 2,500 people lived in the town I grew up in. I had 79 kids in my graduating class, so Ooh. everybody knew everybody, and everybody knew everybody's business, but... But uh, it was a fun place to grow up. Got a great appreciation for the outdoors, hunting and fishing and those type of things. And uh, it, it really translated pretty easy for me to come down here to Georgia because there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on down here as well. From playing in SEC football venues to breaking down X's and O's for the Falcons to the best potato coverage that folks are hearing in their car today, <laughs> we've been able to talk about it all. Dave, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, we'll continue to chat with you throughout the rest of the football season, okay? I'll, I'll look forward to it. And for the Auburn fans, War Eagle this weekend. There we go. War Eagle indeed. Thanks, Dave.